Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi there, <clears throat> it's Doc Josh. Oh, it's not Doc Joshy anymore, um, but Joshy here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Medijoshi, M-E-D-I-J-O-S-H-I. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm Jamie Smith, football journalist and Burnley supporter. And you can get me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sport. Yeah, that whole um, Doc Joshy slip up there in the intro is due to some very unfair Twitter business practices. Hashtag free Joshy. Uh, we won't get into <laughs> it more now, though. What we will get into is the big news from last night. Sorry for the delay in recording. Uh, but the PFA awards were held, of course. Mohamed Salah wins player of the year. Leroy Sané wins young player of the year. It's worth noting on the second uh, that on our uh, last show, we discussed if the, the rules of that um, particular award should be changed for young player of the year um, since Sterling and Kane have both been uh, fixtures in yes. the Premier League for quite some time now. And we said yes, the player sure. should yes. be under at least 23, maybe under 21, and have had fewer than 50 appearances. And Leroy Sané was basically the prime candidate that fit those criteria. Um, and so I think the right call was made there. What did you guys think of, of the uh, awards being made, Joshi? I assume it was pretty much a lose-lose, as it was a City and Liverpool player that were really the front runners there for uh, Player of the Year. Yeah, no, well, you know, it's an individual award. So you, when you look at it, I think Salah is probably the deserving winner. It's really difficult because Kevin De Bruyne was the most influential player in the in the sort of Premier League winning side and not just any Premier League winning side they're obviously an exceptional team so it's difficult to um yeah I would have been not happy but you know I I could have seen it I could have understood if it had gone either way but you know the thing with uh with uh Salah is that he's he's having an you know it's obviously an outstanding individual season he's breaking records or he's well he's equaled the Premier League record for number of goals in a 38 um, game season he's you know it's over 40 goals that's I don't think that's been done that's not been done too often in the in England over and out Cristiano Ronaldo did it I don't think Suarez hit 40 in his outstanding season uh, in all in all competitions so look, I can see why it's been given to Salah and if you think about it like when you look back on it everyone will remember Salah's season as being just ridiculous even though I think Kevin De Bruyne is probably the overall better player and he was influential in, in, in a league-winning side, Salah's is the con- kind of outstanding performance of the season. Especially when you consider, I think he started, he sort of started off a little bit slowly and just really moted on. So, But either way, they both had brilliant, brilliant seasons and both brilliant players. So, yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about that <laughs> as a United fan. Yeah, I think 
like, like Joshy says, it's it's an individual award, and and Salah has probably been the the outstanding individual. I think you can certainly make a case for for De Bruyne or Manchester City, one of the best teams in in Premier League history, probably, and he's been central to that. Um, and I also think it, it seemed to boil down to a race between the two of them, but I thought there should have been more talk about David Silva. He's been as consistent as ever, consistently one of the best players in the league, added to the fact that it's been such an extraordinary, difficult year for him off the field with the problems with his yeah. family, regularly going home and trying to balance all that. I think the statistics show that the games that he has missed um, due to his personal problems have been City's worst performances of the season. He was certainly not there when they drew at Turf Moors, a couple of other games that he was missing for as well. So I think David Silva should probably have been in the conversation more than he was rather than it being a two-horse race. Um, I think the, the timing of the voting was probably what swung it for Salah. Um, De Bruyne had an outstanding first half of the season. Salah's had an outstanding second half of the season. Um, so it might just be the case that Salah's goal-scoring exploits seems to be scoring every single game at the minute. Um, was maybe a bit fresher in people's memory. But yeah, no real arguments here. And I'm actually going to Anfield on Tuesday for the Champions League game with Roma. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does on the biggest stage possible, really. A big knockout game against his old club in the Champions League. Do they release the sort of numbers of votes? I haven't seen the if there was a I haven't ranking. seen the total, but I know that it was Salah, De Bruyne, and then Kane was third. De Bruyne said oh, that right. he voted for Salah as well, didn't he? So he did. It's, it's obvious yeah. that the two of them see each other as their main rival this season. Because uh, I thought it might be one of those, a bit like when United won the treble and David Ginola won it. Or well, not, not too much like that, because obviously Salah has had an outstanding season. But you may maybe people were voting across... You know, like you say, Silva had a great, great season. Maybe a few people have voted for Aguero. Maybe there were a few Sterling oh, yeah. votes in there. You know, as, as you sort of, <clears throat> and then the, the the vote was kind of split, and and then and that maybe hurt Kevin De Bruyne's uh, uh, overall chances. But you know, it's not like it isn't really like the treble season in in, in a different regard because obviously David Ginola wasn't really the standout player. He just got the most votes. So, but this time Salah is, I think, the the outstanding individual season. Yeah, that is a good point because uh, while some may say, you know, it's a detriment that all those City players were so good this season, they were detracting votes from each other. That's because all of them would have had a decent case themselves. So, um, uh, agree that Salah kind of stood out for his team, whereas De Bruyne was kind of a deciding factor for City. There are certainly many other players deserving of merit. Uh, in the Manchester City side as well, uh, we all we all feel good about Sonic that that's like the most in the spirit of the rule selection. Uh, yeah, I've got no real. I mean, again, he's had an outstanding season. I, I mean, from the nomine- nominees, I would have said also Sterling should have had a. I thought he might have had a overall a, a, a better shout. I mean, not with not sort of considering the debate you had last week or the other day about whether the criteria and are, are correct or not. But once you look at the nominees, I thought Sterling maybe had a better shout. I just, I just seem to remember him popping up with a whole bunch of winning goals in the 90th minute. Yeah, likely um, going to end the season yeah. with 20-plus. Yeah, and he's got, he's got loads. Yeah, exactly. He scored a lot of goals. <clears throat> he's come on a lot this season. But then, you look, Sané's been excellent as well. So again, it's very difficult to just you could if it went either way, you could argue either way. But when you consider the criteria and the fact Sterling's been there for a long time and well, 
in the Premier League, he's been around for a while and signed for 50 million and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, you know, Sane seems to be the most obvious choice. I was a bit miffed by Edison being in there. I thought Nick Pope might be a better choice for yeah. uh, for the <clears throat> if you're going to include a goalkeeper. But anyway, it was. Uh, but yeah, Sane, good player, great player. He's had a great season. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, there's no point going over the the same ground you've covered with the the criteria. But I think the the problem with the the nominees was that then it probably just comes down to um, Sané or Sterling because it's a bit ridiculous to call Harry Kane young player. Um, At 24, going to be 25 this summer. Yeah, it could win three golden boots in the row, probably going to captain England at the World Cup. He's clearly not a young player. Um, Sané is extraordinary. I think the way that he runs with the ball, very few players in Premier League history, I think, have, have been able to carry a ball at that pace, that balance, that skill. Um, and he produces the end products as well. I think Sterling has developed very, very rapidly this season. Um, he's finishing, still needs some work, but in terms of consistency, and as Joshy said, the winners that he came up with in probably the stickiest period of Man City season where they were being pegged back by teams, it felt like some clubs had found a way to defend against them that had some success at least. Sterling seemed to be the man who was dragging them through matches. Um, so I think that would have been the case for him. But I think Leroy Sané is a player of absolutely boggling potential. And I'm really excited to see how he lights up the World Cup this summer. Yeah, I, I think they got um, both of them just about right, which uh, considering... But yeah, also, the, Joshy yeah. was right. Nick Pope, Nick Pope was robbed. <laughs> for sure. And Nick Pope is hashtag not my young player of the year. Uh, Nick Pope <laughs> should have given it. Um, uh I will also say that with the um, team of the year, I think this is the first year where I haven't taken real umbrage with any of their selections through the team of the year or the uh, player and young player. I think they just about got all of them spot on this season. So uh, congratulations to them after years of controversy, although the Nick Pope thing um, could be considered a grievance. Um, We did a segment with Dan on Friday, uh, and this new story obviously only preempted because uh, of the recency of the PFA Awards. Uh, But Arsene Wenger set to depart Arsenal uh, after so very many years in charge of that club. Interested to get the neutral view now on uh, what you make of Wenger's legacy now that we know it is coming to an end at the end of this season. Well, excuse me. When you look at his time at the club, when he first came, he obviously changed a lot of people's perceptions about football and, you know, all this stuff like his professionalism off the pitch and he was given the nickname The Professor and all those things. But I think when you look at his overall record, you know, I saw a ridiculous tweet the other day from John Cross from the Mirror saying he's Jose Mourinho, Sir Alex Ferguson and Pep Guardiola all rolled into one, which is a weird thing to say because... What, he's only won three league titles in 22 years at Arsenal. And he has never won a European trophy. So, look, I, I think he's been great. And I think he's obviously changed the whole uh, landscape of that club. He's he's definitely a legend. He's one of the greatest Premier League managers. But you have to sort of then flip it around and say, yes, look, those, he's, he's won lots of FA Cups. and But he's not. he's just not been quite there in the last decade or so in terms of really challenging for the title so I mean I think it would be harsh to say he should have won the title 
you know, <clears throat> given the competition with Chelsea, Man City, um, and obviously United have always been there. So it's difficult to say, oh, well, he's a failure. But at the same time, they haven't really been challenging. So he's, he's, he's almost uh, not tarnished his legacy, but it, it's kind of, it feels a bit of an anticlimax. Things have petered out a bit. But, you know, he's still got the chance to win the Europa League. So that, could, that would be a pretty amazing way to, to um, sort of say bye. And I think you can see from the reactions of or over the years with, with the fans have really got on his back. And, you know, we all know about Arsenal fan TV and a lot of the stuff that comes out of that. So I think all of that will colour the perception. But overall, yeah, you've got to respect him, uh, respect the things that he's done. That Arsenal team with the Arsenal-Manchester United rivalry is... Like is one of my is pro, is probably my favourite rivalry that we've had over the years, um, in terms of uh, you know the the quality of the opposition. Like you kind of yes, you don't like losing, but when you see some you know the likes of Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, Mark Overmars, Robert Perez, and the football they played, you know that was a phenomenal side. And again, I got you know go back to the treble season that that season Arsenal were only a couple of a few results away or a couple of results away from winning a double themselves that was an exceptional arsenal side so he has produced some really brilliant teams and developed some outstanding footballers so you've got to respect that and um yeah you know i do feel not sorry for him but i do think that he's it is it is a little bit there is a little bit of a tarnish on the end of it but yeah no wish him i wish him the best going forward yeah it's, it's going to be really strange firstly to see to see Arsenal without Wenger in charge I mean like most people I pretty much only remember Arsenal with Wenger there um, I think his era can be bookended into two two distinct sections can't it pre-stadium move and post-stadium move I think it's it's underplayed in a way the achievement that it that it was to steer Arsenal through that period pretty much unscathed, um, finishing in the top four every season. All right, it's not a trophy, but it was still important to produce the cash flow that paid for the stadium, so that was pivotal. And to keep Arsenal competitive at that time, I think was really underrated. But obviously, nine years without a trophy, I think it was, um, for a club like Arsenal, compared to what he had delivered earlier, it wasn't really good enough. Um, And I'm sure... Most people probably now think Wenger oh, should have gone earlier, certainly after last season's right. FA Cup win, if not even early after the comeback win against Hull in the final as well. Um, I know we're going to come on to, to Tottenham next, but I do think it's interesting the way that it's being framed, that it he had to go and he was going to get sacked. He's won three FA Cups in the last four seasons before this one. Um but it's time for Wenger to go. Whereas at Spurs, Pochettino's won nothing in four years and yet apparently needs a lot more time and investment and resources. So it's it's quite interesting the way those two separate stories are playing out. Um, I think it's also going to be fascinating to see what he does next because he, he seems insistent that he's not going to retire even though he's nearly 70. Um, he's obviously absolutely obsessed with football. Um, and I think he might well go and, and prove his critics wrong somewhere else, whether it's back in League One or maybe he'll go and manage internationally or go to the MLS or CSL or something. I don't think we've seen the last of him at all. And I think there's a chance as well that Arsenal fans 
maybe we'll see further lows before the highs come back. I think it's very, very difficult to to replace someone like Wenger who's run the club from top to bottom exactly how he wants to for 22 years. Someone has to come in and then fill those boots. Um, there's potential there for the club to, to improve straight away, but also we've seen when Ferguson left Manchester United, it's incredibly difficult to replace a figure like that. So I'm sure Arsenal will have glory days again, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if next season it, it, it does get worse before it gets better depending on who they get to replace him. Obviously, nobody at that club knows how to appoint a manager, so it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how they go about doing that. Yeah, Joshy, do you think they'll, they'll recover soon, or do you think there there could be some dark days on the horizon as they get out of this? Obviously, Manchester United uh, had their own struggles in trying to replace Sir Alex. Yeah, I think that's a pretty... I think that example will make the board wary. You know, they will want to try and make sure it's the right man. And whilst United tried to go, you know, this, this that was it was like the whole cut from the same cloth. So try to try the uh, sort of a stability option. It, I think, you can't. It, it just doesn't work. I think what they'll need to do is get a very strong personality in, someone who can come in and. If he if he has to, you know, sell players and bring and, and then they also obviously have to back him in the transfer market and to an extent you have to throw money at this kind of problem because look at that I don't looking at that Arsenal squad I, I think they lack quality right the way from goalkeeper through to or right, up front they've got Abami Yang so you can't judge him yet he's he's fairly new signing but you know there's real lack of quality in there. That being said, there are certain players that potentially aren't aren't hitting that you know that aren't necessarily playing to their best. Someone like Aaron Ramsey, I think, might benefit from a different system or a different style of manager. Um, and again, like I say, you've got Özil, you have got Aubameyang. So there are some players there, but I think overall, when they get someone in, they have to. It has to be a strong personality, someone with a real, real um, set idea of how he wants to do things. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be completely different to what Wenger did, but you need you need that personality, I think, and also you've got to back him. But it will be difficult. It's not easy to follow a manager like that. Yeah, it'll definitely be uh, interesting to see how that develops over time. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. 
Um, now, Jamie, uh, you said some pretty hateful stuff about Mauricio Pochettino, um, but it, it does need to be discussed. Um, man, all these topics kind of tying back into Joshi. Uh, Manchester United obviously beat Tottenham uh, in the FA Cup semifinal this week, meaning it is another trophyless season for Tottenham. Um, I've uh, mentioned uh, off air to some people this week um, that it kind of feels like trying to get a job when you first get out of college where everybody's asking for experience, but you can't get experience until somebody hires you in the first place. And that's kind of what it feels like with winning for Tottenham is, is everybody keeps saying all they have to do is win one and then the trophies will come, but have yet to win that first one. Um, do you guys think that Tottenham will win a trophy under Mauricio Pochettino? <laughs> That's a difficult one. I mean, I don't think so. Um, because I mean, what what really what I found really strange was when, you know, I get that he he wants to prioritise the Premier League and the Champions League, and that's fine when you're in it and you're still in contention for winning them. But even before the United, the semi final, he was saying it's a lower priority um, trophy. It's this. It's that. And the other, whatever, and really downplayed it when, you know, if, and if your manager is saying that. As a player, you're probably, you know, you're, you know, maybe a little bit subconsciously not that into it. I'm not saying that they put less effort in, but if even if you've got that tiny little bit of a cushion, say, well, he doesn't think it's that important, then you're not going to have that same mentality that you need um, to win these things. And it, I think, for me, I think the idea of winning any trophy is so important. It doesn't matter what it is, just get that trophy under your belt, league cup, and then push on from there um FA Cup whatever it is and then go from there I mean we saw it I've seen it at United with um when Rooney and Ronaldo were in the side and they were just we weren't doing so well then we got that League Cup and then it just sort of you know they understood how to win you can't teach that you, you either buy it in um because you get experienced players in but Tottenham aren't really the type of side that goes out and spends a hundred million on world-class players they like to develop them and that's admirable but if you're missing that quality, then you've got to try and just get over the line, do whatever you need to do to get to that final, to win that final and just get that first trophy under your belt. And I think that's really important. And, you know, Chelsea did it. Mourinho came. He, he targeted the, the, league, the League Cup. And that was, you know, he, he, that's one of his favorite play, uh, trophies. He did it again last season with United. And just having that know-how and experience of winning something it is you just you can't replicate it you just have to do it so under Pochettino I think his own mentality has to change and maybe next season target a cup and say look this is our goal get that trophy under the belt then it's no longer a monkey on my back and we can get going and and keep and push on from there but it's a difficult one to call because obviously the football is great and and there's some quality players there but sooner or later he does need to win a trophy even if just to keep players happy. But yeah, no, it, it's a very important one, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'd want to call it, to be honest. I, I think keeping players is, is a really important point. Um, the concerning thing for me as well is that Poch just doesn't seem to get it. He, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand why trophies are important. Um, a little he, bit of Bielsa about him there. Yeah, it's 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 obviously his his philosophy that he sees progress in the league as the most important thing. But fans want the glory. Sure, you want the glory of of going to Wembley and seeing your team win, and 
lifting the trophy wire and going to the parades and these are the things that build the memories and makes football worthwhile and Pochettino he just doesn't seem to get it um, for me and I think that's really really worrying for all the progress that he's made at Spurs they're fantastic to watch they've got some brilliant young players the way he's developed people like Kane absolutely brilliant is Pochettino a winner? I don't know if he is like Joshy says, someone like Jose Mourinho comes into a club straight away. He's like, what trophy am I going to win straight away? I'm going to win a trophy. Wins it. Bang. Done. Pochettino just doesn't seem to have that in him. Um, and I find it, it, it odd in a way that he's then talked of as a potential Real Madrid manager when they wouldn't put up with that at all. Can you imagine Real Madrid going through a season where it was all about trying to get close to Barcelona in the league and they just stacked off the Copa del Rey and didn't do that well in the Champions League. It would not wash at all. Um, so for me, it's something that he really has to think about and maybe change the way that he, he approaches these cup games. I think it was really, really concerning. If I was a Spurs fan, I'd be really concerned by what he said after the, the semi-final where he said, he might play the kids in the FA Cup next season. Surely that's not what anyone wants to see. People want to see that team win trophies. That team deserves to be winning trophies. They're a very good team. Um, but they won't stay a very good team unless they start to have something to show for it. Harry Kane, one of the best strikers in Europe, if not the world, he's going to stay at a team that's prioritising finishing third in the Premier League over everything else every season. I don't think so. I think Kane wants to go and win medals. Um, and if he doesn't think he's going to be able to do that at Spurs, I think in a couple of years, he'll probably want to go. Christian Eriksen may be the same. Toby Alderweireld, arguably already at that stage of his career where he wants to go and win medals. Um, so I think keeping that team together is going to be really difficult. And I've got real doubts about Pochettino's winning mentality, I'm afraid. Yeah, his comments before the match were um, probably very strange to uh, external listeners. To us, it's not really surprising because he's said things like this in the past. Um, before big matches in his first couple of years when we had big matches he team he, he tended to try to amp the team up and talk about the importance of it and then uh, I'm sure <laughs> listeners will not be surprised that uh, the uh, Tottenham teams before this recent resurgence were a bit soft in big matches and so when he tried to big them up um, they didn't really rise to meet that challenge and so then he started trying to use this laid back approach which i agree with both of you has gone way too far by saying that it, it isn't important i think his team selection uh, that we put out against brighton versus what we put against united shows that he does think it's more important um because that's where you saw the the better players but it is it is concerning and so i started to think about who all at tottenham right now has won a trophy it's basically the ix players and then three players that we've signed during this season in lorente aurier and lucas Outside of that, everybody's new at this. Um, and that includes Pochettino, who won two Copa del Reyes um, when he was at Espanyol. But that's it. And uh, I know you made a, a comment earlier about why is Pochettino being given time while Wenger is being pushed out the door. Wenger, as you pointed out, is a 70-year-old. Pochettino was 46 in, what, his fifth year in the Premier League? I mean, there's still a lot to learn for him. Whether or not he just is or is not a winner... I guess remains to be seen, but that's a conversation like we just had with Finger that's had at the end of a career, not at the start of one. Um, but whether or not he'll be able to get us across that line, I don't know. Because also in his uh, comments after that match, 
he he said that whether it's him or somebody else, Tottenham need to continue to develop. And that's pretty concerning. Um, but uh, as you said, Real Madrid aren't going to want to come in for him until he's won something and proven himself. Um, and if there's any positive in terms of the development of those young players that you mentioned, it is that it sounds like he's going to be here um, because I think that that sounded like a person that thought he might get sacked because he didn't win something this year. And I do not think Daniel Levy is going to part with one of his best assets um, because of a, a result there when kind of like the, the parallel here with Wenger and Arsenal is with the stadium costs and everything, we do need that Champions League money to keep coming in. And that's something that Pochettino brought back to the club that we hadn't had um, since Harry Redknapp. <clears throat> um, and yeah, it's just it's just very trying. I have said on the show before, kind of his philosophy is that um, it's better to be happy 360 days of the year than the five that you could win trophies. But the thing that that philosophy negates is how... Um, stressful and painful and annoying it is when it's one of those days where you have an opportunity to progress in a competition to win a trophy and then just go on and don't do it um we talked a little bit in the pre-show um where i said we finally bottled it where the media for years has been saying that tottenham bottled x y and z but i was like this is the one where it finally happened but you two seem to not agree interested to get your take on why when uh, tottenham's attack basically just did nothing in the second half i don't i this is I don't think this is an area, this is a match where Tottenham bottled it because that would suggest that, you know, sometimes you just come up against good opposition, right? And, 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 and at this time, yes, you started off really well, but then Paul Pogba got involved, Mourinho made some tweaks, and it wasn't about bottling it because that suggests it's just about what, what Tottenham did. They, they went into their own shell and that was it. But actually, I think United managed the game really well we defended superbly, and Herrera was excellent up and down, uh, the sort of box to box. And you, it just, you know, sometimes you just put your hand up and you go, look, in that situation, you, maybe the manager bottled it. Maybe Pochettino bottled it in terms of he could have waited a long time to, to make any changes yeah. again, like after Juventus. Yeah, but I don't think as a team, I don't think as a team you would say Tottenham bottled that because, um, you know, I think United adapted. They, and, and Mourinho made changes and tweaked the approach and, and then United were dominating, maybe not in possession. We didn't dominate possession, but we certainly were in control of that game. You know, you can have possession in the peripheries, but generally speaking, um, we, we, we played well after that, for, after we equalized. So I think it's to, to yeah, that the whole bottling it type um, or choking, whatever. I think in... At, it, it's labelled, it, Tottenham get that label. I don't think that's what happened at the weekend. I think at the weekend it was about game management, know-how, and you, and just the opposition were better. And sometimes you do put your hands up and say that. You, it's not all, you, you don't always have control of what, what, what's going to happen in the pitch. It's difficult. I just, it's a bit of an intangible, you know, one of the, oh, they bottled it. It's not just about desire and mentality. Sometimes it, you, you've got to say the other team were better. But yeah, I don't feel, it do, to me, it doesn't feel like a Tottenham bottle job. More like if you think about um, like the Juventus game, that to me felt more like it. Like because Tottenham were, you guys were sort of in the game, almost controlling it. Significantly then, the better team in both matches. Exactly. Just over the course of 180 minutes, Tottenham were the better side, but somehow got knocked out. And that to me was more of a like they they just seemed to be a bit of a not a collapse, but just there was about a 10-minute spell where Juventus just got the goals they needed and that was it. 
that to me was more like a they just didn't know what they how to manage that game out play that game out it was almost like oh my god we could win this oh crap oh no wait we didn't win it kind of situation mm. whilst at the weekend i think it was a, a, a well the, a better team got their act together and sorted it out and Mourinho and, and a, a better manager who knows how to win these games used his experience and know-how and that was it because it wasn't like it wasn't like a to- it wasn't like you collapsed you were it wasn't like you were in control of the game and suddenly bottled it if that makes sense that's what i picture when you say the when you say the phrase bottle it mm. so yeah for me it wasn't one of those jobs yeah i think it's it's what we were just talking about really about the winning mentality and the players needing to know how to manage those moments and i absolutely agree that juventus was much more of a bottling than the united game all the talk after that champions league game seems to be out well, Spurs have been brilliant, they deserve to win the game. No, they fell apart in a five-minute spell and a better team punished them for it. That's a how second Champions time in football that works. That's how knockout football works. You can't say you deserve to win a tie when you give away goals of that sloppy nature. It's just not how football works. Um, but the United one, I've, I've just felt United gradually rested control of the contest after starting very badly, it's got to be said. It didn't start quite as badly as they did at Wembley in the league. Uh, but it wasn't far off. Um, Spurs, very, very good in the opening stages. Son was outstanding on the left for the first 20 minutes. So I had Antonio Valencia in all sorts of problems. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was the bottling at all. I think Harry Kane's unfit at best, if not outright injured. He just seems to be not in matches at the minute, um, which is very unlike Kane. You normally see him wanting to get on the ball, wanting to get shots off at goal. There was a moment, inconsequential in the grand scheme of things, but I think he got on the ball about 25 yards out and he wanted so many touches before shooting. That's not Harry Kane. Kane gets the ball, gets it out of his feet, bang. And that's not what he was doing. He doesn't look sharp. He doesn't look fit to me. So I think that's that's a major factor when you've got your star player, arguably, certainly leading goal threat, just not really looking himself. Um, I think that, that that was really, really difficult for Spurs to cope with. And United just, I think, had a bit more edge, a bit more, bit more, bit more cutting edge, a bit more ruthlessness in front of goal. And I think that's, that's what won them the game in the end. Um, I don't think it's really a question of bottling it, but maybe mental strength in a, in a different way in that they just don't seem to know how to manage those moments and as Joshy said the winning mentality and the, the game management and again I think that comes from Pochettino I don't think he knows how to get his team through those moments at this stage in his career yeah I definitely agree with that um, fun stat to kind of back up everything we've been saying Tottenham have not lost after leading in a Premier League match this season in 22 matches the three times this season in all competitions that Tottenham had a lead and then lost that match were Champions League to Juventus, got knocked out. Manchester United got knocked out. West Ham in the Carabao Cup got knocked out. The three times they've conceded leads were matches that would have seen them advance in trophy competitions. And that it very much speaks to your point there, Jamie, that it, 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 he just does not know how to do it at this point. And as I mentioned when Joshi was talking, <laughs> Mauricio Pochettino again waited late to make a change. And it happened uh, against Juventus as well, where the opposing manager, Allegri in that one, um, has made a uh, tactical shift. After you scored your second, it was obviously going to be Mourinho ball from there on out. Uh, and it would have taken something special to get through. And it still took him extra time to adjust to that one. And the Juventus one, they changed their formation. 
um, because we had just been absolutely destroying them on the wings. And so then they decided to kind of counter us on the wings because everybody was getting forward and Licksteiner got the assist. Um, and so now this is the second time in a row where we've been knocked out of a competition because he did not react to a different manager's uh, reaction. And, and obviously Allegri and Mourinho have uh, more trophies than he does, certainly. So, um, yeah, hopefully he, hopefully he can learn from this. But the fact that it's happened twice now in this season is not an optimistic sign uh, for me. And to your point about the fans, that the fans want to be participating in uh, parades and get to go to their workplaces and brag about the trophy they just won, <laughs> that is the one fight that Mauricio Pochettino cannot win. He has managed to convince a lot of the fan base and a lot of the ownership and everybody inside and outside the club that are fans of, of Tottenham that winning isn't the only thing that matters, but that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. And the fans do want that. And you cannot win against the fans long term. So uh, Look, there's, there's nothing better than in terms of an instant feeling uh, that just for the, than, a, than a cup final and winning it. Obviously, winning the league is better. But in terms of the, the intensity of the moment, right, um, in general, obviously, you don't always have, you know, the, the Aguero moment where he puts it away in the last minute of the game. That's obviously going to be met really intense as well. But just generally, the, the, I've been to, I don't know, I can't count, I think about eight or nine cup finals with United. We've won every single one that I've been to. And it's just, it's an incredible feeling. I was at the League Cup final last year. I was at the semi-final at the weekend. I'll be going to the final. These are, you can't, replicate that and yes getting fourth and third and is is that improvement and you can be pleased and satisfied as a fan but stick a cup final next to that and your season just as a fan feels so much better you know and it's just that intensity of you know even at, at the weekend when you know we came back from that goal down so again that winning goal you're up and in you know you're it's just mental in the stands isn't it so I think that's something as a fan you can't replicate. So as a manager, he needs to get that and he needs to start understanding that maybe, I don't know how he does it or because I'm not a manager and you know I don't have the answers, but there is clearly a deficiency there in terms of just getting knockout football, the game management in knockout football. There's, a, there's, some, there's something not quite there and, and you've proved it with those stats in terms of losing from going ahead. And that he there is something that he needs to sort out and he's a young manager so he's also learning and you know Premier League is not an easy league but at the same time he needs to start he needs to work something out whether he gets in another assistant or maybe he buys in some players that have that winning mentality and or you know I don't know who that might be but still there's something not quite happening there and for the fans it's going to be frustrating like you said just to jump in briefly on that as well I haven't been to nine cup finals watching Burnley unfortunately I'm sure those days are <laughs> just around the corner but absolutely agree that when you win something it feels better than anything in football watching Burnley win the championship title winning 4-0 at Charlton the end of the season before last absolutely phenomenal winning the playoff final to get promoted just the best feeling possible in football and Spurs fans aren't getting that at the minute um but it, it it's quite interesting that Sean Dyche seems to have a similar sort of attitude because he's been talking about Europe for next season, almost as if it's it's going to be a problem rather than the best thing that's happened to come <laughs> in fifty years. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's. I understand the focus on the Premier League being very, very, very important, but for me, I'd rather have a running Europe or get to a cup final 
than even stay in the Premier League. You can get back in the Premier League. Like, we've shown that we can do that. But the opportunity to go deep into the Europa League next season, that's something we might never get the chance to do again. So for me, that he's already talking about these games being a burden. It's a bit annoying for me, really, because I want to go and follow Burnley around Europe and watch our best team compete with the best in Europe that couldn't get in the Champions League. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I mean, ask Wigan fans. They beat City in the cup final and then got, and they're now they've been relegated. They're down. They would not swap that day that day for being back in the Premier League. I, I, I think if any fan said that, then they just don't get it. I think a lot because I, you know, they beat City again this year, and there was lots of talk with the fans, and they're just like, "Yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't swap it." It was just an amazing, amazing achievement for a club like that to win the FA Cup against a club like City. So, I think these moments, and it's not just the fans; it's you can't replicate that as a player. You know, you really can't replicate that. So that's that's what is missing. And again, you, you mentioned he's won two Copa del Reyes, but that was what... Did you mean as a player? Sorry, what? Did you mean he won... Uh, Pochettino yes. won them yes. as a player, right? So yeah, so he knows that as a player, but as a manager, again, you can't replicate that. that, that sort of, not just the feeling, but you know, you, you'll get through a game and there might be a bit of luck, but it might be a decision you've made and you kind of go, all right, that was... I feel, you know, confident or whatever. I don't know. I can't really explain it, but... There is something missing and winning stuff. You can't, and you know, breed, success breeds success and winning trophies. You generally pe- will send people on runs, you know, if, the, if it's not just a one-off fluke. All right, now let's head into uh, topics for you guys. Uh, Joshi, we'll start off with Manchester United here, obviously. Um, at uh, the other end of that uh, Spurs loss means it was a Manchester United victory. Um, obviously not been an easy one watching Manchester City run away with the title. Uh, but would an FA Cup, as you just mentioned, kind of save your season a bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what has happened, City's freak season, because it is a freak season, um, has really put... Um, obviously made the our season not look so good but there's been progression i mean we finished sixth last season we are hopefully going to finish second this year with um which is a which is a really good improvement uh again with it's city and we'd like to be up there and we, you know we should have been challenging better with a lot of the losses that we've had have been like the west brom match the other day was one of the worst performances i've ever seen newcastle huddersfield there's some ridiculous performances you know you can accept it if you've if the team have gone out and put everything into it and you sort of go, right, it was one of those days. It happens. It's football. No one has a right to win matches. So there have been sort of negative points from the season and the press and a lot of people have picked up on it. But at the same time, there's been progression. And we've already touched, well, we've already talked about it a lot. You know, Mourinho knows how to get through knockout football. It's kind of, hopefully we don't become a cup team, but the point is, you know, this is our third final in two seasons, potentially a third trophy. So, you know, as we improve in the league, he's still picking up that the, the, the silverware on the sidelines or and hopefully again this season. It's another final at Wembley against Chelsea. It's, you know, so, yeah, if we win it, it I think it, you know, even if we lose it, I think getting to the final is not an achievement that you brag about, but it's, you sort of go, okay, look, he's done. There's some progress there again. There's progress in the league. Um, 
So, yeah, but I, certainly any no season at a club like United or Chelsea or City, no season is, can ever be deemed a success unless there's some silverware in there. So, but, and then you sort of, the degree of that success depends on what you win. So, yeah, look, it, I think it's not been a stellar season. Certainly the football hasn't always been, well, it's been, you know, you, you want to gouge your own eyes out at times. But um, it's, if we win the, um, win the FA Cup, that's another bit of silverware, you know, justifies his appointment. And, and again, there's been progress in the league. And then in the in the summer, he needs to start looking at at certain players and and whatnot. So yeah, I think what we can you know say is there's been progress, and there's been there's been progress in terms of the league, and the FA Cup would be a really awesome bonus and and really make the season a bit more worthwhile for us as a, as fans. Um, but I wouldn't. I'm not in that boat of oh he's got to go because he's playing rubbish football. I think you can clearly see from a results perspective. Um, progress, but obviously he needs to do better in certain areas. Yeah, I think an FA Cup would definitely look good uh, on the resume as uh, someone that is a hardcore lusting for a trophy of any kind right now. Um, <laughs> the the other news that's kind of come out in the last couple weeks um, for Manchester United is that Anthony Martial seemingly uh, wants way out from the club, uh, obviously gaining steam because. It makes sense considering he basically lost his position as soon as Alexis came into the club. Uh, do you think that Anthony Martial will leave in the summer? And if so, how would you feel about that? Do, I don't. I don't know if he will leave. Um, I think there are a lot of stories in the papers, but I've not seen him actually come out and say anything specific, even in an interview or, or um, you know anything even weirdly coded on Instagram or something like that. And it, it's a, it reminds me a little bit about, uh, uh, um, reminds me a bit of uh, David De Gea and constant rumours of him leaving and going to Real Madrid. But he just sort of gets on with it and doesn't come out and say anything. It's slightly different because obviously he's one of the best, he's probably the best goalkeeper in the world in my opinion and definitely our best player and whatnot. So it's a slightly different situation. So I don't know if Martial's going to go, obviously, um, going to have to wait and see on that front. But it does seem likely, if you believe the stories. How would I feel about it? I'd be gutted. I think he's, he's an unbelievable talent. He's one of the best young players that I've seen come through at Old Trafford. Uh, there's obviously issues there. Mourinho wants a bit more, I don't know, fight. Maybe there's a bit of a mentality thing there. And, and you, you, know, you see in it his treatment with Shaw. But I would also counter and say, look, if he's a player that doesn't want to take on board the fact that you've got Alexis Sanchez there, who you could learn off, you've got all these players around you who you could grow up with, like uh, Pogba, Rashford, Lukaku, you know, Lingard, you know, these you could grow up as a group. If he if his mentality is that he doesn't want to take on that challenge, and he really wants to go, then I kind of can see why. Jose Mourinho be like, well, if you don't want to be here, I don't want you around. That being said, I think it would be a massive shame because I, I really do think he's a he's an, a sensational footballer when he wants when he wants to be. And the problem I have with Mourinho in this regard is he doesn't he doesn't have the patience to let these younger players um, 
sort of have their poor games sometimes. You know, he doesn't. He's he he he'll give the patience and the and and whatnot to players like Luke, uh, uh, Sanchez because he knows Sanchez can come out and produce something. So it's kind of like just stick him in the team and keep him going, and he'll he'll produce something like he did against Spurs, like he did against City. But with someone like Martial, he's like he just wants impact, and sometimes I just think Jose needs to be a bit more, a bit more. Uh, I don't want to say sensitive because he doesn't come across as a sensitive bloke, but sensitive to the fact that these are young guys and they're not necessarily going to um, hit hit the back of the net every game. Uh, so, yeah, I would personally be gutted, but then at the same time, you kind of have to trust the manager, even though, um, you know, you, you, hope he, you hope he stays and becomes a world-class player at United. But, yeah. 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 So ho- hopefully he does stay and hopefully he does become that player because he has got incredible talent. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned his age. He's still only 22 years old. And the thing I always bring up, uh, if he does leave, I- I've said multiple places now that I think that's kind of a must get for Tottenham because he could also play either with or uh, Kane or behind him or instead of Son or as a kind of replacement option for either. Um all right, uh, now coming to you, Jamie, uh, to talk about Burnley. Uh, you got the result you wanted at the weekend. Southampton are knocked out of the FA Cup. Man, a lot of FA Cup talk. Uh, but you're nine points up on Leicester, though. They do have a game in hand. How confident are you in European football next season? Based on your comments earlier today, it seems fairly. Uh, yeah, I think it's done, um, to be honest. It would be staggering for Leicester to catch us from now. And like you say, the big game of the weekend for us really wasn't ours at Stoke. It was Southampton at Wembley. Um, so the fact that they did what everyone expected them to do and lost quite comfortably was very relieving. I was starting to worry that we were all going to get very excited and carried away and then Southampton were going to win the FA Cup and break all our, all our hearts. But yeah, luckily that didn't happen. I think the gap at the minute is is too big. The rest of the games that we've got to come as well seem like good opportunities to get points on the board. Brighton and Bournemouth both at the turf should be chances to get the wins. Um, so yeah, I think it would be uh, a disaster really if we, if we managed to not finish seven. How do you think that you would uh, fare? Would it be like uh, Swansea's year in, where it's just like whatever happens happens? I know you mentioned Dice is kind of looking at it maybe as a trial instead of as a. Uh, just a fun thing. How are you viewing uh, what your experience may be like uh, if you do make the Europa League? Well, firstly, I'm massively excited. This obviously the first time it's happened in my lifetime. It might be the last, quite conceivably. It might never happen again. Um, and uh, although I think we we would go into the second qualifying round, which is like the back end of July, the first game, pretty much straight after the World Cup. So the football season just won't stop at all, which is great. Um, I think it means inevitably the qualifying rounds become part of pre-season almost, uh, get treated a bit like that. It's quite difficult to have a really intense European tie when you're still building up fitness levels for for the season itself. we not going to have a lot of players at the World Cup, but we will have some. Goodmanson will be there with Iceland, so I think there's a chance that he'll be given an extended rest and will miss the qualifying campaign altogether, as an example. Um, but yeah, I think we have to look at it as, as a big opportunity. How often is a club like Burnley going to get into Europe? I think we have to give everything that we can to get into the group stage, at least. Um 
from the research that I've been doing every night, it's unlikely that we'd face one of the really big teams in a qualifying round. So in order to get the sort of day out that you'd want, like AC Milan or something, you'd probably have to get to the group stage, really. And the chances are we'd get sent to some Eastern European outpost that no one's heard of and has to go on Wikipedia to find out what country it's even in. But even that, it's going to be really exciting. <laughs> Burnley in Europe, people who are worried about how it might affect our league form next season, they just need to calm down for a second and think about what's happening. Burnley are going to finish seventh in the Premier League and qualify for Europe. It's extraordinary. Yeah. The the only potential uh, concern long-term now is with the success will come the rumours uh, surrounding Sean Dyche's future, especially uh, after his links to Everton earlier the season. And boy, could they have used him. Um, are you confident that Sean Dyche is at Burnley for the long term? Well, he signed a, a big, a big new contract at the start of the year, made him the best paid player at the club, best paid, best paid player, best paid employee at the club even. And because of how the finances are now, therefore the best paid person in the history of the club. Um, so there's not much more there's not much more Burnley can do to reward Sean Dash, I think, for what he's done for the club. Um in terms of what he does next, I think it's very difficult to see where that job comes from. Everton to me seemed like an obvious place for him to go. They didn't seem to show any interest in him whatsoever. Went for Allardyce instead, all their fans hate him, they want rid of him already. <laughs> so <laughs> Even if, even if they sack Allardyce and then talk about Dyche in the summer, surely he's going to think, well, hang on a minute, you didn't want me last season and you finished below us in the league, so why would I go there when I can manage Burnley in Europe instead? Um, I think I think it's, it's, it's an unusual one because you would think that taking Burnley to seventh in the league and qualifying for Europe would open up these doors for Sean Dyche, but I'm not convinced it's going to, not at the sort of level that you would maybe expect. Do you think that's partly down to play style? Maybe, but Jose Mourinho's in charge of Manchester United. Look at the football he's playing now. <laughs> I, I don't see why that should should hold them back. Um, Arsenal fans now, they've been watching the team try and play pretty Wengerish football for the last few years, and they're rubbish. Like, surely they'd take some long ball 1-0s right now, <laughs> get back to the old style. I think it's a... A bit of a fallacy in a way as well. And All right, not all our goals have been 30-pass moves, but the winner we scored at Everton, one of the best team moves of the Premier League season. So just to... I know you're not doing that, but people who do dismiss us as a long-ball team and say that Dash's tactics will stop him getting that bigger job, they just need to watch us play more football because oh, for the, sure. the tactics and the style has certainly developed a lot this season. The quality of the play that we've been able to bring in like Chris Wood up front, Goodmanson on the wing, Robbie Brady, Stephen Defoe, high-class midfielders. They want the ball into feet. They don't just want the ball hoofed up in the air. So things have changed in that regard. I think the reputation and perception of Daesh is maybe what needs to catch up. Um, but yeah, the fact that Everton didn't seem to pay any attention to him. Crystal Palace twice in the last year have had the chance to go for Sean Daesh and haven't and look where they are now. So... I don't know. I think um, certainly the next season, I would hope that the chance to take Burnley into Europe is, is too good to turn down. And 
I, I don't know what club are going to come in for him, to be honest. I can't see any of the top six going for him, even though I would say he's, he's made as, as strong a case as he can to get given that opportunity. Yeah. It's a weird one because Eddie Howe gets was was yeah you know, lauded quite uh, you know and even tipped for the Arsenal job. At, and he's at still one doing point. a fantastic job, but every, no one talks about him. No one talks about yeah. Eddie Howe for Arsenal now, and he's still yeah. doing a brilliant job <laughs> now, at Bournemouth. What now more that, can now you that do? Wenger is actually yeah. going. <laughs> it's it's oh, remarkable. Actually. It is but really remarkable. It, what? Yeah, exactly. And and then you've got Sean Dyche, and and the thing is, again, it's like I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the idea of the perception. It's not. People, like you say, people need to watch it, watch the football more often to before come making a judgment. But I think the perception is there because, well, for whatever reason, that he's uh, maybe not suited to a big club. And it's a weird, it is a weird one because the, if you think about other leagues, if you think about the an equivalent team like Burnley and La Liga, and a manager brings them up and up and up, uh, and, and you know, and helps them finish in a really in a European spot, they would be probably, you know, plucked by a bigger team quite quickly, and then then they you know get that that shot at mm. the, at the, the sort of at the, you know at the big time. It's it, it's an English football perception thing. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, unfortunately, uh, we had some more stuff we were going to try to do, but we have to leave it there. <laughs> we've just about hit an hour already. Um. So if you guys would like to tell folks where they could find you, now would be a great time. Brilliant. Thanks a lot for having me on. You can find me on Twitter um, at Medi Joshi. I also do some uh, YouTube stuff YouTube stuff with Full-Time Devils and write some sports science and other sports-related stuff on my own website and for the sportsman. I've been Jamie Smith. Various places you can read my work, AOL, 442, um, MSN's Match Day blogs. I'm quite often involved with them. You can also follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Jamie Smith Sports. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find my writings over at Goal and Goal Betting. Um, and I also do some of the live tech stuff uh, that Jamie just alluded to. So uh, always be sure to check in on those things. Also, uh, we do fantasy shows and championship shows on this very channel. Uh, so be sure to check those out as well if those things interest you. Uh, thanks to both of you for joining me today. It was a pleasure as always. And we hope you keep listening. Mm-hmm.